Daily Sports Report on 88.3 FM Ann Arbor, where the puck drops here. Let's get lost tonight. You could be my black Kate Moss tonight. Play secretary on the ball tonight. And you don't give a f what they all say, right? Awesome, the Christian and Christian Dior. Damn, they don't make them like this anymore. I ask, cause I'm not sure. Do anybody make real anymore? Bow in the presence of greatness. Cause right now, that has forsaken us. You should be honored by my lateness. That I would even show up to this thing. So go ahead, go nuts, go ace. Especially in my pastel on my paper. Act like you can't tell who made this new gospel. Homie, take six and take this. Hater. Your radio is on. It's on 88.3 FM. WCBN-FM. Ann Arbor's 24-hour open-minded radio surprise pudding. Licensed to the regents of the University of Michigan. Operated by students at the University of Michigan. Uniquely maintained as a healthy alternative and a positive influence on the mental health of the Ann Arbor community. You are here. Well, uh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim DeWire. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about the Detroit sports teams. I'm talking about that idiot in Zanesville that uh, seemed to have a private uh, oh, right. farm with exotic animals. Big carnivores. <laughs> And one can just imagine Archie, uh, Archie Bunker and Edith Bunker in Zanesville with uh, Edith Bunker telling Archie, Archie, there's a black bear and a baboon at the door. <laughs> we'll tell him Halloween is next week. It's too early for trick-or-treating. <laughs> We're not Democrats. Yeah, I love the uh, southern accent. The guy sounded a little like Barney Fife uh, listing the uh, animals that were on the loose. Some of them, unfortunately, were shot. Well, we all have our personal obsessions, but uh, that's rather a bizarre one. Yeah, six black bears, two grizzly bears, six lionesses, and one baboon. <laughs> and I just... Uh, Despite and a the, partridge in a pear yeah, tree. Yeah, the tragic comedy of it all. Twas amusing. But uh, that guy uh, he's burned his big, mortar, mor mortal coil and let the, the animals out. He's the zookeeper in the sky. Yes, he's uh, history, as they say. And he's an idiot. So we'll give him a brain damage award for keeping such animals. And even worse, letting them out. Crazy. Well, it was a very good week for Barack Obama. Not such a good week for Herman Cain. We'll give him a brain damage award for coming to Detroit 
using the uh, railway station, uh, you know, the abandoned old mm-hmm. uh, railway station down there near Michigan Ave, down near old Tiger Stadium, interestingly, to highlight the problems of liberalism. Little did he know that the guy that owned that monstrosity, that eyesore, is actually uh, Mr. Maroon, who's uh, obstructing the bridge uh, to Canada, uh, obstructing free trade. <laughs> uh, mindless stupidity. Uh, Kane is having difficulty explaining his 999 tax uh, concept. Everyone points out that it basically raises taxes for everybody in America except the rich. And uh, he continues to deny that it's a value-added tax when that's exactly what it is. So I don't know if he's... Uh, and then he had some other gaffes. I don't know. Well, his bizarre comment about uh, an electric fence that is fatal yeah. to the touch to prevent uh, illegal immigration. Uh, yes, that's the country we all want to live in, one that is safely bound in by electric wire. It's is not the America that uh, we all learned to sing about in grade school. And never mind that a lot of the uh, illegal immigration that occurred uh, to America occurred in the 80s. Uh, some of it was uh, a wink and a nod to corporate America for cheap labor. Absolutely, yeah. California's entire economy is based, it's the biggest single economy in the U.S., state by state. And, of course, the agriculture sector is huge there. And uh, that would not be possible at all if it were not for cheap, undocumented labor. So capitalism relies and depends on the undocumented. And, of course, uh, left unmentioned in this uh, kind of political football we call the immigration debate in America is the fact that many people fled Central America thanks to American-sponsored violence uh, in which taxpayers shelled out money to support death squads. Yep. In a number of countries, uh, it's an interesting factoid, for instance, that one out of seven El Salvadorians fled the country uh, during the 1980s when Ronald Reagan was president. Um, the complexities of immigration are not uh, properly discussed. And it's fascinating to see uh, Georgia and Alabama that have passed draconian immigration laws uh, suddenly having problems finding uh, uh, workers to pick up the sweet taters. <laughs> They're out That's in the field. What am I talking about? <laughs> what are we gonna do without the sweet potato pie? Uh, food prices should go be going up. Um, with possibly some of the, some of these products uh, actually literally rotting on the uh-huh. vine, and. Uh, The uh, Republicans in the state legislature of Alabama are blaming the problem now on Obama (laughs) after they passed the law and they're getting all these complaints. Yo, look in the mirror. If you don't pay people a decent wage to do the job, well, then you're going to have to find people willing to, for some reason or other, work for less than a decent wage. And uh, these are the systems that uh, have been imposed upon us. It's bizarre that uh, Republicans want to play it both ways, be against immigration, but also at the same time, uh, you know, support every corporate agenda that comes their way without realizing that these two are hand in glove. Hand in glove. And then, of course, they have these sort of uh, superficial debates about immigration. You know, for instance, the uh, cultural hot potato. Rick Perry, uh, Mitt Romney uh, dust up that we had in the last debate. Um, 
where apparently Mitt Romney ended up blushing. <laughs> uh, did I, he get the vapors? <laughs> the, the Republican I, debates. I've uh, not been watching them. I just read the highlights. So they're they're lowlights. Almost comedy, uh, and I don't mean C O M I T Y. They're they're. <laughs> Newt Gingrich remains the carnival barker of a organization of kind of disorganized union clowns, and uh, it's it's amazing. Bachman's got all kinds of problems. Newt Gingrich actually may uh, remain uh, at the end of the day. I think Ron Paul's in this, and I still think this is essentially a two-man race. I think Kane has proven that he's not able, so he's going to, uh, I think, start to descend in the uh, opinion polls. But people like his like him, and they uh, think that the 999 program that he hasn't explained whatsoever, um, I, I just don't know where he's going with this. And he doesn't seem to have a substantive political organization to actually compete in some of these states. Um, I guess we can just say that he's a flash-in-the-pan pizza. And well, was, Mitt Romney uh, spends, you know, thousands after thousands and doesn't seem to gain anything in the polls. Yeah, he's sort of at a fixed percentage. There's clearly a kind of 70% of the GOP that seems to be no Romney, but at the end of the day, they're going to have to pick one of these circus clowns. And as for Godfather's Pizza, uh, I, I guess uh, Politico did a pizza taste test and they finished last. <laughs> No surprise there. Uh, great to see uh, a feature on uh, Herman Cain in the uh, weekend edition of the Wall Street Journal, which is entitled Cain's Legacy, Selling Big Ideas. <laughs> and, of course, uh, the uh, big idea that apparently he had, despite having some aggressive management uh, perspectives, is that uh, he came out with a pizza called the Big V, a large, a larger pizza with toppings that were spread out more thinly. So, brilliant. He gives you more dough. <laughs> Spreads the ingredients out more thinly. Oh, that's the Republican plan for the <laughs> future. Called, isn't it's it? called a big idea. <laughs> that's, there's less stuff to spread around, but it's on a bigger field to spread around. So, yay, pizza. But uh, here's here's some more manure. Just spread it out a little, spread it out, yeah. a little wider, and put those toppings on a little thinner. And of course, how awkward that the pizza chain uh, bears the name of a racially insensitive slur, yeah. <laughs> implying the mafia connection is intrinsic to uh, Italian culture, which well, I've seems never... to be fairly acceptable. I mean, nobody really complains about that too much, but. Uh, it's a little odd. Yeah, one wonders who came up with this name. Of course, uh, Kane took this company over at a certain point after he worked in the biscuit business. <laughs> uh, what a legacy. <laughs> Big ideas. <laughs> uh, rather uh, superficial. Of course, the Wall Street uh, analysis by Julie Jargon. Beautiful name there. Uh, <laughs> doesn't really go into any of the substantive criticism of 999. And Kane seems to be stumped on the campaign speech about what to do next. And needless to say, let's, let's continue to criticize the Republicans. Obama announces we're leaving Iraq. What do they do? They come out and criticize it. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, this is the biggest boondoggle in American history. 
This war has cost a trillion dollars and counting. Uh, obviously, there's going to be a troop presence beyond the uh, uh, end of 2011 to, quote, protect the em embassy and engage in... Um, Which, by the way, is the largest U.S. embassy in the world. But it's interesting that some of the ambitious plans for nation-building in Iraq uh, have been uh, pretty much stopped in their tracks. The State Department apparently wanted to open up uh, large embassies in Tikrit and, uh, oh, I'm trying to remember the name of that other big city up, up north. And it's interesting because Turkey is uh, rumored to already be in northern Iraq dealing with cross-border incursions. Kurds. And, of course, who are the critics of the Obama withdrawal from Iraq? And what is their argument? It strengthens Iran. Well, my goodness, where you been for... Uh, the this last entire years. enterprise strengthened Iran. <laughs> that was the one of the main critiques of it from the get-go. So to use that now as an excuse not to uh, hasten the, the withdrawal, and it will not be a total withdrawal. Iran is at a sort of an economic standstill at the moment anyway. They've got all sorts of solvency problems and cash flow problems, and uh, I Iran is hardly uh, economically robust and perched on, you know, widespread uh, invasion plans. They, they've uh, uh, Najad is probably done after this term. So, yeah, what the future of Iran uh, is in the long term, short term, <laughs> soon to be appearing on a Godfather's pizza <laughs> <laughs> near you, right? Uh, and of course, Gaddafi uh, bites the dust in a uh, not to make a pizza segue there, but yeah, uh, spectacle of. Um, biblical proportions. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, <laughs> messy business, this. Uh, he's uh, maybe not quite dead yet. <laughs> no, I suspect he's dead. But uh, to quote Monty Python. Yeah, yeah, I think she's dead. No, I'm not. Uh, Mary, Queen of Scots, of course. Um, well, you know, when Saddam was, quote unquote, found in the hole, uh, there was a lot of suspicion that this was a, that he'd been placed there so that he could be photographed mm -hmm. there, and I think that there is enough evidence to suggest that that was probably the case. This seems to be just a complete mad frenzied run for any cover available for Gaddafi. Uh, this drainage ditch, yeah, that he was apparently pulled from. Uh, they always seem to end up in holes, which is very odd because uh, I'm, I'm always reminded of the first time I laughed on the week of 9/11 when. George Bush uh, said, we're going to smoke them out of their holes. Yeah. And I immediately thought. Like they're gophers or something. In, uh, Caddyshack. Caddyshack, right. <laughs> Mr. Gopher. Uh, what, what, yeah, what, a, what an incredible spectacle. And, of course, Gaddafi is a very complex figure, um, not anywhere near in the neighborhood of a Saddam Hussein, a, a uh, certainly a regional uh, Supporter of some uh, terrorism, but he also uh, did some good things in his career, to his credit. Um, he uh, was a bit of this sort of complex Arab-slash-African nationalist, and his death was not greeted with uh, reverie in, in, in some uh, African countries where he uh, doled out quite a bit of aid. I thought, by the way, that one of the best uh, sort of historical analyses of uh, Gaddafi's career was... was uh, academic from Britain named uh, George Jaffe, I think was his name. Very good 
overall complex analysis of a guy that had been in power for quite some time. Uh, let's remember that Nixon, the Nixon administration, cozied up to Gaddafi early on. Uh, the United States even had a military base in Libya for a spell. Well, he was the beneficiary of a coup. Yeah. Uh, that probably had CIA involvement at that beginning level. So he may have been uh, sort of a a candidate for potential grooming like Noriega became uh, or others uh, despots in the region and just sort of was too independent minded to be yeah. groomed as a our son of a bitch. Yeah. Once the Green Book came out. <laughs> Um, he, yeah, his version of uh, Chairman Mao's Red Book, of course, yeah. green and mm -hmm. Islamic color and uh, an African color. Then uh, kind of an interesting text. I've read some excerpts from it in a Middle Eastern Studies course and, uh, you know, a thoughtful yeah. man, uh, clearly uh, at the end of the day, uh, greedy, paranoid control freak. I mean, <laughs> surprise, surprise. But... Uh, one thinks of Mussolini at the end. A little bit. I, I think this guy, I, I think there, you know, it's interesting that there were some comments that there may have actually even been some dementia there at the end of the day. Uh, he just wouldn't listen to sensible advice. And it's interesting, of course, that uh, the day after Gaddafi uh, was put on ice, literally, you know, the the idea of having his body in this kind of, well, it's just on display in a market. I'm yeah. not sure uh, if... Refrigerated are, room or whatever. There yeah. are some who are calling... The Islamic burial uh, law is fairly time-sensitive. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. So there are a lot of questions about that. And there are people who you know want to see him at least respectfully buried within the you know conditions of the religion. Yeah, and it's which curious. Regardless of whatever you think of his career, mm -hmm. is, you know, respect for the death of a human um, has some merit. Yeah, some some discussion that he may be quote buried at sea. Uh, don't know about that one, but uh, interesting that uh, a, a Sharia law was declared the next day by one of the uh, revolutionary leaders. So this this sort of happy face that some in the West are portraying this event as just simply a uh, another example of the success of social media and the Arab Spring and all of that. I think may or may not turn out to be the case. I think that Libya is clearly a um, work in progress, so to speak. And if anything allows Libya to go forward in a, in a more unified fashion than some of the other uh, disparate things that are going on in uh, Tunisia, possibly, and, and certainly in Egypt, uh, the other two uh, North African states that have uh, undergone the so-called Arab Spring, would be that he he there there is a sense of Libyan nationalism that may uh, shall we say supersede some of the tribal and uh, regional issues that uh, would possibly um, make Libya more of a disorganized uh, state going forward. So it'll just time will tell. I don't well, think one, anybody can predict. Yeah, and one person who's probably hoping that. Uh, there's a little bit of chaos before things stabilize is Silvio Berlusconi because probably the less is known about the business connections that he enjoyed uh, on and off throughout times when other countries had cut off uh, business relations with, with Libya. Of course, Libya, former colony of uh, Italy, uh, connections politically going back to Roman times, certainly historically speaking. But uh, 
I think Berlusconi is probably a little nervous and hoping that there are some convenient fires. Convenient fires, and also it's it's interesting that Gaddafi actually could have been one of the bailer outs of Europe. He probably had enough hmm. actual working capital to float some of the uh, Euro countries for uh, a spell while they figure out what they're doing. Um, the big meeting later this week, and uh, it's interesting that uh, with all of the problems that Greece is having, uh, Italy is actually the country that could bring the whole thing down. A very good flowchart, by the way, in uh, yesterday's Sunday New York Times about this very complex labyrinth of, of money, sovereign debt, bank uh, exposure, and the debt-to-GDP ratio in these European countries and how this crisis, of course, could uh, unravel um, the global economy because of the complexity and the unwillingness of people to take haircuts. And when I speak of haircuts, I'm not talking about shags, mullets, mohawks, or crew cuts. But in a way, that's kind of the debate we need to have. Are we going to get a shag haircut or a crew cut? And when austerity measures only are discussed in uh, the metaphor of crew cuts, as uh, the Germans are interested in discussing uh, the austerity measures that Greece must take, um, one wonders what will happen. There have been massive protests in Greece. The IMF is involved in this. Mm -hmm. And, of course, one thing that we learned from the American financial crisis is that these banks, these international banks, it's not just Wall Street, these banks are connected in uh, very shady uh, overnight loaning of capital. Capital is transferred at, at incredible speeds and rates per day that are just mind-boggling and completely out of control. There's no regulation of any of this. And this contagion issue that uh, definitely uh, uh, exacerbated the global collapse in 2008 when George Bush was still president, not Barack Obama. He was elected in 2008. The uh, TARP was passed under Bush, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of people are getting confused about the facts in this country. Um, this contagion is still a, a real problem. Nobody knew anything about LIBOR, the uh, overnight bank loan rate that's determined. It's, sounds like a cholesterol medication. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's amazing that it turns out to be determined by two unknown people in a dark, dingy room somewhere in London. <laughs> Greenwich Mean Time. Uh, they determine the overnight overnight late and uh, overnight bank rate. Well, that's still the city where gold prices are set, so they enjoy that aspect of yeah. economic uh, authority. And this overnight bank rate, of course, played a huge role in the uh, capital freeze up uh, in in uh, the fall of two thousand and eight, when LIBOR essentially went from point two five percent to four percent. This is an amazing increase in the cost of capital, which of course forced. Uh, Collateral issues that are mm -hmm. at, at the heart of this Greece-Euro uh, crisis that uh, certainly has America uh, involved because American banks are exposed to some of this uh, sovereign debt in some of these countries. And the complex labyrinth, I think that this is a simplified version of this uh, scary monster. Since we're in the uh, Halloween mode tonight with lions, tigers, bears, and baboons. And spiders. This is the uh, sort of... The old uh, Thomas Nast cartoons of the uh, the octopus that uh, you know was the train uh, industry. 
and all of its political machinations. This is, I mean, talk about entangling alliances. This is entangling alliances, and it shows, of course, that the United States uh, has significantly higher GDP debt to all of these major countries except, ironically, Italy and Japan. Um, China is called the Great Unknown. They have an estimated $3 trillion of uh, currency reserves, but they are unlikely to bail out Europe. Um, as for Italy, its problems are fascinating because, as the chart shows, um, if Italy gets into big trouble, um, it's interesting. It says Italy, France's worry, debtors in the Eurozone, the Eurozone's third largest economy, owe the banks of its second largest economy a total of $416 billion, the equivalent of one-fifth of GDP. And this is why we've heard about these New York uh, ratings agency openly discussing downgrading France's debt. France can't get paid back if Italy can't pay back. So uh, this is very complicated. And, of course, the cultural... Uh, differences of many of the nation states in the eurozone are at, at, at part of the heart of the problem. Uh, this is, by the way, not unlike uh, um, uh, you know the state problems that we have here in the United States, mm. in which uh, you know getting tough on crime and passing draconian uh, uh, immigration laws are very popular in some of the uh, red states, some of the southern states, but not too workable in some of the northern states. The death penalty is uh, a favorite uh, solution for a lot of the, quote, crime problems in America. Virtually and, a cottage industry in Texas. And yet, if you look at many of the state budgets in America, one-fifth of the state budgets are actually involved in prison yep. maintenance and, uh, uh, you know, building prisons, keeping them going, oh, and We have more, people. Uh, more people in prison per capita than any other country in the world. Yeah. Two, two million people... Um, here in the United States, and of course this has turned out to be very expensive. Um, and of course the states are cutting back. So when you see uh, debates between are we going to fund education or keep these prisons uh, built and going, you, you start to wonder. And needless to say, the uh, prison industry, the prison industrial complex, is an enormous part of many of the southern economies, including Texas where that guy that can't quit shooting himself in the foot, Rick Perry, is the governor. He's Texas tough. Texas tough, Texas stupid. Think of Yosemite Sam. <laughs> He's shot himself in the boot a, a few times already. <clears throat> well, you know, maybe we should just let them secede after all. It might be for the best. Well, it would certainly help the federal budget, um, Texas being the largest recipient of the growth of federal spending in the uh, era of George Bush. No surprise there. Well, Obama, of course, uh, can benefit a bit from this unpleasant debate on uh, immigration as he uh, attempts to woo the Hispanic vote, which in past elections has tended to sort of swing Republican, 
Uh, of course, they are the unnamed target of these sorts of laws. Um, nobody wants to point specific fingers at specific people, but uh, a lot of folks have come through and worked their way up, want their kids to go to school here, uh, regardless of what their pay scale is, uh, working in America. And so um, it's all about getting folks registered, of course, to vote. Uh, but there's a potential there for Obama to pick up some support. Yeah, and that's still, a, you know, they are definitely a swing um, constituency in the United it's States. It's the fastest growing demographic uh, group by ethnicity. And I would say that one of the uh, deficiencies of the Occupy Wall Street movement thus far, I think that they've done a good job of, of uh, coming out with a message that uh, focuses on income inequality, uh, predatory lending practices, the abuses of the uh, capitalist system by um, the powerful, the lobbyists, mm -hmm. Congress, which is at the heart of the uh, incompetence uh, in involving the uh, financial crisis as a whole. There needs to be another step here. There needs to be a transfer of this energy focusing on the villainy, the perfidy, onto political action from, you know, the next step. I agree sort of with Barney Frank on that issue. I don't think the Occupy Wall Street movement is going to succeed terribly well if all it's doing is occupying some urban parks in big cities in the United States and only college campuses. It needs to get into the swing states. It needs to realize that voting is the key. Congress's uh, response to this, by the way, around the country and many of the state legislatures is not to work on any jobs bill per se, because we know that they're obstructing that. It's to pass more free trade agreements, as they just did in the National Congress, and institute voting restrictions. This is going on in 38 states yeah. right now. This is actually incredible. This is what the power structure in America is actually up to. Becoming less democratic becoming less democratic and uh, they're coming up with you know these voter ID rules uh, some of them are expanding uh, you know felony laws restrictions on voting and all sorts of other mischief and when the nation magazine points out in their uh, outstanding uh, October or excuse me August first uh, eighth edition about Alec um, in an article by John Nichols and, and others, uh, they talk extensively about what's really going on uh, nationwide. Let's remember that the GOP has more political power now than they did at any time since 1928. That does not bode well for the future of the United States, uh, given their agenda, which is an agenda of austerity, um, Deregulation, which, you know, Herman Cain keeps talking about Dodd-Frank. Dodd-Frank was a, a watered-down re-regulation of, of Wall Street that has the, uh, the name of Barney Frank and Christopher mm -hmm. Dodd attached to it. But, I mean, it wasn't tough regulation. There's a lot, been a lot of discussion about the Volcker Rule, which is just a reimposition of one aspect of Glass-Steagall Glass Act, which was, of course a Republican legislative item that was attached to an omnibus spending bill in 1999 that Bill Clinton signed right around the New Year's uh, Eve date when he was embroiled in the uh, impeachment uh, disaster. 
So the protest movements uh, here in the United States regarding Occupy Wall Street, which are, are continue to be very interesting, I think need uh, to, to translate into the next step, which is more 